You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. I'm your host, Brooke Walker. You know, thousands and thousands of women across the country have taken part in something called the No Yell Challenge. Have you heard of it? Today's guest coined this phrase when she realized the very best way to better a child's life was actually through their parents. Ralphie Jacobs is the positive parenting expert that all of your mom friends are talking about and buzzing about. She's a well-known speaker and educator whose goal is to impact children's lives by teaching their parents. She reaches thousands of families through her Instagram account, Simply On Purpose, and also through her online courses and live workshops. She's a mother to four daughters, and I understand a big believer in the power of a good kitchen dance party, so we have that in common. It's amazing how the light of her message and the positivity of her purpose shines through, even just her voice in this conversation. We'll talk about the No Yell Challenge, how it fits into her overall parenting philosophy, and ultimately how we can parent more positively and get the positive results we're after. Ralphie Jacobs, we are so excited and grateful for the chance to learn at the feet of an expert today. Thank you for jumping into our conversation. It's my pleasure to be here, Brooke. Every time you post, every time you share, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but I am an eager student, like reading and scrolling and swiping. You have a way of connecting parenting in a way that is sound and also value-based. Does that come naturally, that lens for you? Is that a natural lens? Oh, totally, 100%, because I am in the trenches with everybody else, and I grasp onto all those parenting truths because I need them just as badly. So it's very natural for me to curate things and find out what works best and what speaks truth to my soul and share it with everyone else. You seem like a natural student yourself, though, in the way that you are resourcing and recommending books and literature. Has that always been a passion of yours to learn and seek and understand whatever role and responsibility you're taking on, in this case, parenting? Well, it definitely was when it pertained to children. And that's always been the case for me. I love kids. And so I'm fascinated by how they grow, how their brains grow, how they learn, why they make decisions. I love getting down at their level and seeing their little minds work. And so it just came super natural to learn as much as I could about how to parent them the best way. And as I did that, I learned more and more that, you know what, hey, it's not really about them. It's more about me. And it turned into like a self-help kind of a situation. Mm. And um, I really think that that's what the feed is all about, is just giving parents tools so that then they can go home and just change that little world for their oh. children generation at a time. I know your own mom, Ralphie, inspired your parenting philosophy in large part. Tell us about your upbringing. Yeah, I have a large family. I grew up with six brothers and two sisters. And my dad was diagnosed with MS when he was 35. So um, my mom went back to school and she excelled. Um, I have an older sister who is severely disabled. So she was inspired by that. She went and got two master's degrees and a PhD in child psychology. And so I've just grown up with the struggle, like my whole life, um, my dad's physical struggle and my mom bringing in children who just struggled, you know, she'd be like, hey, hey you, your kid's driving you crazy. 
bring them over to my house. I love <laughs> naughty kids, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> they were always coming over and she was trying to, fi- you know, figure out how to help. And uh, so that was really, really inspiring to me. And I always wanted to work with children. She loved the hard kids, you say, which is yes. a gift. It's a gift. We need people like that to help bring along the rest of us. So it sounds like this idea of solution finding and, and positive go get them attitudes was just part of, it was ingrained in you as part of who you are. Yeah. Uh, now that we are the age that we are, right, Brooke, we can look back and oh boy. be grateful for yes. the movie that was rolling along as we grew up and, yes. and, and see the bits and pieces that help us become who we are so that we can fulfill that purpose. Isn't that funny? That comes up every day. I love your perspective in that. I think, you know, in the moment when you were being loved, when I was being loved and coddled by a grandma, you didn't realize those little fibers, those little threads would carry over and show up in your own mothering or your own parenting. And it's a beautiful... It's a beautiful thing, that legacy, isn't it? Oh, it is. And yeah, such a gift. And that's, a, you know, a huge part of what I feel super strongly about and why I teach is because it, um, I want that legacy to move forward and I want generational change to happen. And for us to learn how to clean up the river so that it's cleaner downstream for our children oh, well and said. to make it a better place. Well said. Let's talk about how this no yell challenge fits into that goal set or fits in to your overall philosophy. How was this born? Where did this come from? You know, I was just driving along one day and I was like, oh, I wish that I, we had some kind of a challenge where we we're like, we're going to focus on this ability to stay calm and be safe for our children. So I, you know, looking back, I probably should have phrased it in like a positive, instructive <laughs> phrase rather no, than a no you yell. Know what? You know what? I think there's beauty in that. In fact, I was just thinking the word yell makes us cringe a little bit, right? Like oh, no, yeah. no mom wants to be like, I'm a yeller, but guess what? I feel confident in saying every mom is a yeller at some point, right? In some situation. And so it almost has this reverse psychology effect. Like I appreciate you wanting to punch home the positive, but just the word yell kind of strips it down to what it is, which is moms just doing our best and trying to do better. Right, exactly. And it's all about progress and not perfection. That's what Mm. I say all the time is like, I'm not expecting for you to be 100% perfect in this. I hope that you make a mistake and then I hope that you're strong enough to just get back up and move on and try again. And that's all it's about. It's just challenging them to um, not raise their voices or, or talk in a demeaning way to their children for three days is all that I ask. And it just helps them to navigate their thinking more, retrain their brain to, okay, what's the story that I'm telling myself here? And really the biggest hurdle in parenting is not a child's emotions, it's a parent's emotions. And that's why it's called parenting and not childrening. Like I said earlier, it's all about self-help. It's all about changing a parent's behavior to help a child. Boom. I mean, that says it all. It's why it's not called parenting. It's why it's not called childrening, right? Yes. Or how did you say it? Say it again. Yeah, but it's called parenting for a reason because it's about parent behavior. It's not called childrening. Yeah, that's boom right there. I mean, that's it. That's it. That says it all. So if we aren't yelling, if we aren't raising our voice, that obviously requires some thoughtfulness. That requires some discipline in how we're responding instead. And as far as being that parent, Ralphie, who pulls out, draws out the good behaviors in our children, you take it back to a basic shape. You referred to something called the triangle formula. Set this up for us. Yes. Okay. So if we step back and we really look at things broadly, There's a formula for creating peace in a home. 
And it's very basic and it's very doable principles that build that loving home. And that's what positive parenting is. It's very principle-based. It's not problem-based. So it's okay. like, if you can think of a boat being built, we want a strong boat to begin with, right? We don't mm -hmm. want to be like trying to like fix the holes and not allow it to leak and be worrying about the leaks all the time. We want foundational goodness, a strong foundation so that our children will grow up in an environment that they can thrive in. So positive parenting focuses on those foundational principles. And the three principles, I liken them to the sides of a triangle. The first side is that we model and we focus on our model and um, being in control of ourselves. The second one is that we teach our children. And you remember that you are your child's teacher and we have to teach them how to behave appropriately. That's our responsibility. And then the third one is to look for what's good. And uh, they call this positive reinforcement. That's kind of the umbrella term for it is to really use that as your uh, main uh, avenue for disciplining your kids is to look for what's going well. Let's break this down piece by piece, bit by bit. Modeling being the first side of that that three-sided triangle. That that leads me to believe that old saying of of do as I say, not do as I do really doesn't work in parenting then, does it? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. I mean, Shucks. that would be a really nice pass, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, um, a peaceful home really is like we said in the beginning, it's this high level of parental self-management. That's what we would call a well-managed household is high level of parental self-management. So parents have the greatest responsibility out of anybody else in the world to change their homes because we set the standard for behavior. Children mirror and they mimic their parents because we're the source for what to do and how to do it in everything, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, right? Yes. So yeah. the keyword is to model. Um, children love it when they're, they feel like their parents have it together because it's safe for them and it's reassuring. Um, so if we groan about having to make dinner, all, oh, you guys, every single day, the same thing over and I'm so sick and tired of the monotony of being your parent or we have like terrible, you know, bad body language or we speak poorly about our lives or who we are, we frown and our arms are hanging low and our shoulders are slumped. Like, we're sending messages to our children how we feel about them and how we feel about ourselves. And if we want to raise positive children, we have to learn how to be positive. Mm. This is why I always say, you have the power to change your home. You have the power. And this goes for even the hard stuff, like even our disappointments and our frustrations, even our failures. We can teach our children through our model that all these feelings that we have are acceptable. They're acceptable and we welcome them. Yes. But it's what we do with those feelings that matters. And it's how yes. we view things that matters. Yes. You know, I got to tell you, I've been in interviewing parenting experts and coaches like yourself for more than 15 years now. And every parenting topic, every, every good, solid parenting topic, there's two things involved. One, there's value-based principles at play, right? That's how you know it's a good, sound parenting parenting principle and, and parenting practice. But there's also this, this look in the mirror moment where you have to say, how am I reflecting this? They're looking to me. They're watching my actions. And I've tried really hard, both professionally and personally, to not let that 
that repeating piece of advice to model and to be the example fall tired because it can't, right? That example is a living, breathing demonstration of everything we're trying to teach and preach and instill in our kids. So we have to we have to kind of conjure up this energy around the idea that I'm my child's best teacher and that teaching is happening by example. Yeah, there's this wonderful um, research out there that if you have a high level of value teaching in your home and you are a good model for your children, that even if your teenagers are like the mess of the world, yeah. that um, by the time they're in their adulthood, 80% of them will return to the values that they grew up with. There it is. It's so, so important. And it's so essential to show through your example what a child should do. It's preventative. It's proactive. And it's building that firm foundation for good behavior. Okay, so what if it's not my teenager who's the mess of the moment, but it's me? I did. I, I, I lost it in any given situation. I didn't handle it well in this isolated moment. I messed up, Ralphie. I totally messed up. How can we then correct that or, or switch the modeling opportunity back into our favor? Yeah, I've just been talking about this just recently on my feed. It's so important to be okay with being human. And sometimes this guilt, right? Like, oh my gosh, I am the worst. And we let that um, experience define us. And we put a label on ourselves because of an experience. But what I like to think about is that guilt, the only purpose that it can serve you is to call you to action. If Mm. you have, if you're not called to action, then guilt serves no one. So express your sadness about it. Ask for forgiveness from your children and then move on and move on and show them how even with those failures, we can find success because that's the whole part of learning is having that growth mindset where we make that mistake, but then we just give ourselves feedback like, okay, that could have gone better. I know better strategies than that. I'm going to try that differently next time. And I'm going to be more prepared next time because I've had this as yes. um, an experience to draw back on. This is so interesting to me because I've, I've long been intrigued with our fascination with mom guilt, quote, mom guilt, as it's called. I think it comes up so often in conversations and interviews, and I get it. I'm not discounting it because I know it's a real emotion and a real feeling. I think what intrigues me, though, is that it becomes such a heavy weight, like it drags us down and almost paralyzes us to a point, or at least how we talk about it, it seems that it can be that for some women. And I've always thought of it as an opportunity, like guilt equals opportunity, right? To change, to progress, to better, to improve. It speaks exactly to the heart of what you were, of what you were just saying. Yeah, I love that. Guilt equals opportunity. All right. The first triangle being model, the second side of that triangle being teach. Talk to us about this principle. Yeah, so that's the one that gets overlooked all the time. We think that children grow up are, are actually they're born with an adult brain. <laughs> like they have a strong moral compass. They <laughs> My know. five-year-old knows she's got it together. Come on. <laughs> I know. And, but parents are the primary teacher. And, um, and I'll let you in on a little secret here. The truth about misbehavior is this, that most often... The reason why children misbehave is because they don't know how to behave well. It's Mm. not because they're out to get us or it's, you know, penitence for something we did earlier on or they're fruits of the devil or whatever. It's literally because they don't know how. And that's Mm. why we hear the word discipline being used all the time. And for some reason, 
there's been this negative connection with that word. Like it just feels so negative to us. Like discipline your kids. You need to be better at disciplining your kids. But the real uh, meaning for that word is teach. And I'm so glad that that real meaning is kind of bubbling up to the surface. And the pendulum is swinging back to the true definition of it because it comes from the word disciple. It means to teach. It doesn't mean to punish. So when we're yelling or we're screaming at our kids or we're giving them a long lecture, we're monologuing, we're not teaching them. They've tuned out by about 30 seconds into that. Um, so that's not effective teaching. And we don't want to stop behaviors for a few minutes. Like when we say, no, knock it off, stop, leave that alone, don't touch this. We want to use our time and our energy because those are limited resources that we all have to build lifetime skills for our children. That's the goal with parenting always is to give our children wisdom and tools for a lifetime. And there's so many effective and wonderful ways to teach your child, but I can just give you one quick example. It's called redirection. Um, And that means that you show your child what they can do by using what they call instructive language or positive language. Rather than saying, don't touch that, you say, you can touch this over here. So showing them what they can do, showing children where they can have fun and using that um, knowledge that they really just want to have fun as a resource for pointing them in the direction of their of the correct behavior. So one day um, we were having this really um, touching family meaning a grandparent had just passed away and we were all kind of teary and all gathered together as an extended family. And my young, my youngest was running this car along this metal bench. You know, we're all like, oh, grandpa, he was so wonderful. And then my, my daughter's running this little match, uh, matchbox car along this uh, metal bench. And it's like going along the metal bench, totally ruining the moment. And everybody's like looking at her like, what's the deal? Yeah. Yeah. And I initially, it's that knee jerk response, right? Like, don't stop. Not, you know, leave that alone, put that down. But then I thought, no, that's that's showing her that all I want her to do is to not have fun. The subtitles there, when you say that to your child, it's always, I'm no fun and I don't want you to have any fun either. So we want to, we want to show our child where she can have fun. So I have to find a place where she can have fun. Oh, Sybil, Sybil, you see that chair over there? What if we drape a blanket over it? And that could be your cave for your car. And we can bring these other cars in there. And then they can have a secret meeting with the cars about what they're going to do next. So you move the direction. You move the behavior in the direction that you want it to go. Um, So mounds and mounds of teaching and building skills. We're always teaching our children something. But the secret is to make sure that what you are teaching them, it greatly improves the likelihood that they'll behave well in the future. That's a powerful example. And it's interesting, as you started to talk about this idea of of teaching versus discipline, I think 
a natural question, at least, that popped into my mind is, well, then what role does discipline play? Or at what point am I am stepping in to be the, quote, corrector? But that example, really, that, that, that example of redirection really reverses the question because in almost every situation, I could redirect, right? I mean, certainly there will be moments for correction and moments for boundaries. I'm not under undermining that. But the, the basic principle of redirection that you just taught so beautifully through that little matchbox car story, almost every situation could could be a redirect opportunity. Really? I mean, it's true. Sometimes parents will confuse redirection with distraction. Well, they go, hi, what's that over there? You know, it's a bird, it's a plane. But, <laughs> I mean, I've but, done that uh, a time or two as well. Oh, and it, 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 totally. it works. But <laughs> you know, hey, I'm I'm not like saying that's the worst thing. Ever. I know, but, I know. Um it it really is to teach them what they should do. I had a mom send me a message and she and she was like, hey, my two-year-old just keeps climbing out of the grocery cart. And I don't want her to do that. It's not safe. What should I do? And so I sent her a message back and I said, have you tried redirection? And she's like, yeah, I told her to not get out of the grocery cart. I told her to not touch this. I told her to keep her feet down. I told her to, you know. And so I was like, well, yeah, have you talked to her about what she can do? And she's like, oh, well, no. (laughs) You know, I haven't told her what she can do. Like, well, why don't you give her, I'll have her hold a nickel or a quarter in her hand and have her to keep it safe. And then at the end, if she can keep, if she's kept it safe the whole time, she can buy something with it or have her hold onto your grocery list and draw stars all over your grocery list. Or uh-huh. so you're just showing them yeah. what they can do. And um, behavioral scientists call this behavioral momentum. We're just building momentum and getting the behavior going in the right direction. Oh, I love it. And again, using your classic signature everyday examples, we could certainly parlay this into bigger life life situations or stories, but but it all applies. I I know you believe, Ralphie, there's no better way to raise children who love to behave well than by looking for what they're already doing well and focusing in on it, paying attention to it, shaking your pom-poms around that positive (laughs) behavior. And that brings us to the third side of the triangle. So we've modeled, we've taught, and now we're going to praise. Yes. Oh, and it's my favorite, favorite side of the triangle. Because just like you said, Brooke, there is no better way to raise children who love to behave well than to look for what they're already doing well. Because your children are already doing lots of awesome things. They just go and notice. They're invisible. And so, Brooke, what do you think is the most natural response when I ask parents, when do you pay attention to your child? What do you think that they say? Probably when they're, they're, making, they're making the wrong choice. They're misbehaving, right? Of course. It's so natural because there's this default in our brain that says something is going wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to find what it is. You know, we, that's it's my like job. Primi- yeah, it's primitive. It's like uh, we're, we're always looking for the danger. And... Um, the study showed that five to six times, that five to six times more likely to pay attention to children when they're misbehaving than when they're behaving well. I that's believe so, it. Yeah, that's how much more likely we are to go in and to stop misbehavior and get in and off, um, to, to um, quit immediately in your home because we see it as violence. We don't want it in our homes. Um, and that means that it's, um, it's ac- actually scientifically proven that... If I just look for what my children are doing well already and I cultivate it and I pay attention to it and I reinforce that because that's all children want, number one, is a parent's attention. Mm. Um, 80% of the things that bug me, that annoy me, will just simply go away. They'll disappear. 
And that's something that is a surprise to parents when I give them these three, these three principles, pay, uh, model, teach your child, look for what's good. And they're like, okay, but what about all the bad stuff? And I go back to this all the time, but if you do these three, 80% of the things will just disappear. And that's what we call using your positivity to discipline. I hear the word magic all the time. Ralphie, it's magic. It's magic. It's not magic. It's science. There's science that's put in place. Our brains are built in a way that when we're given attention for behaviors, they're reinforced. I love this analogy of the flower and the weed. Um, What parents will do is they'll look through a beautiful field full of flowers that are gorgeous and colorful and vibrant and um, they're, they're diverse. And they'll find one weed well into that field and they'll go up to the weed, they'll ignore the flowers and they'll water the weed. And what I try my very best to do is to teach parents to do the opposite, to look through a field of weeds, obnoxious thorn covered weeds and desperately try to find one flower find the and flower. go up to the flower. And oh, I love that. Flower. I love that. Water the flowers, not the weeds. Yes. Yes. As we as we consider this triangle, and I hope people have been visualizing this as you go, because it's a powerful visual. It's a powerful metaphor. So we model, we teach, we praise. Ultimately, you say, if you're not getting the parenting results that, that, that you're hoping for, or striving for, you can put yourself to the triangle test. Yes, the triangle test. So I love this. When my kids are just at each other's throats and they're just acting like little wild Amazon women. Your kids are like that too. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, I know. That's one of the best things actually about learning more about parenting is you're like, oh, this is natural. This is normal. It's as it should be. As it should be. It's there for a reason. So um, I'll I'll apply the triangle test. So what I'll do is I'll look at my husband and I'll be like, what what do we do? They're like, they're going to kill each other. And so um, he'll say, okay, we need to really look at these three principles. So I'll look at them and I'll say, which side of the triangle am I missing? Because as we know, the triangle is the strongest geometric shape in the world. But what if one side is missing? It will collapse. What if I'm really good at modeling? I'm really wonderful at teaching my children deliberately, but I'm failing on praise. I just think, you know what? Leave well enough alone. The triangle will collapse. What if I'm an excellent teacher? I'm great at praising and I'm a terrible model. I say, like you said before, do as I say, not as I do. The triangle will collapse. We miss, what if we miss on the piece of teaching? We're like, oh, they should know. They should know better. The triangle will collapse. So being deliberate, looking at all three sides of the triangle and keeping that triangle nice and strong because when our children are misbehaving, it's usually that one side is missing. Um, Parents have such a great power to make a difference and you can really make it in one day. That's, that's my promise to the parents that are listening is you can make a difference in one day. So just go home and look for the good in your children and send them the message that those wonderful things that they're doing will not go unnoticed, that you will pay attention to it and that your home is safe and consistent and a place for them to thrive and to just be themselves. So well said. You know, I I generally and I do. I strive to avoid these these general sweeping themes or statements. But the fact of the matter is, I've been listening to you to you teach us and share with us. And and parenting is a journey. Parenting takes practice. 
Yeah, so, so much practice. Oh my goodness. As I default Um, to that cliche phrase, but it does. It does. And as I think of this no yell challenge or the triangle test, I mean, it's those daily efforts that add up to what we hope will be successful parenting in the end. Yeah. And looking at it as kind of a, it's not a quick fix. Right. This is a methodical approach to parenting. This is day in and day out being that safe model for them, that safe place for them. And then by the time they're into their 20s and they've, they're they out, they've launched, that you see that return on your investment. You say, ah, oh, okay, they made it and they're going to be okay. And we're all going to be okay. Ralphie, I love your perspective. I love the community that you've built on Instagram uh, through your Simply On Purpose. Where can we learn more from you? Well, you can find me at simplyonpurpose.org. That's my website. I have an audio course that's there. I have coaching calls where I have recorded calls with parents and we talk about specific behaviors. I have webinars now that I we're still not doing live workshops, but I look forward to doing that once it's safe again. But we have webinars where I'm teaching online. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at simplyonpurpose. You're doing good. You're sharing light and we're better because of it. Thank you for jumping into our conversation today. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Today's special guest was Ralphie Jacobs, a positive parenting coach and expert from Simply On Purpose. If you liked this conversation, if it was one that strengthened your resolve to be a better parent and a stronger family, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review as well. We take that feedback to heart. Thanks for being part of our conversation and our community, and we'll see you next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.